What's up and welcome back. It is episode number 31 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. I'm Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And Matt McAuliffe, it is episode number two of our fall preview. And that means one thing. Fall season is really starting to ramp up right now. Well, we're starting to get a hint of the fall weather this week as well. It's starting to hover around like the 56, 63 degrees at night area, which is nice. Especially, you know, for those students in the dorms with no air conditioning. <laughs> and God bless all of those. I know. But uh, before we get into the rundown, we have uh, scores and notes from six fall teams. One of the projects that you've been working on and that just debuted their first episode last week is Behind the Bobcat. Tell us a little bit about that. It is Behind the Bobcat. So we want to give a look for the fans. It's almost like an extra yard, going the extra mile look for the fans. Uh, you see the student-athletes on the field. You see when you go to games how they perform on the field. But we want to show you what the coach is saying at halftime, what the coach says after the games, what the bus rides are like, uh, uh, team meals, uh, what does each player have as a special talent. Like We want to go that extra mile, that extra yard for our fans. And I think you saw that in the first Behind the Bobcats episode. And you will see in the future ones as well. So who have you been able to uh, work with so far with this with this series? Uh, the women's soccer team. I mean, Dave Clark has been phenomenal. Becca Maine with the field hockey team has been phenomenal. Uh, Eric DaCosta with men's soccer has been great. I mean, they're giving us a lot of good access. And sometimes all it takes is a GoPro in the locker room. Listen to the speech, save that clip, and, and throw it in there. And put, a, put some music over it, and it sounds great. Uh, but we're also looking for great visuals. We have like upgraded lenses on our cameras now, so we'll try and get more zoomed-in shots as well. So make sure you keep an eye out for Behind the Bobcat episode number two coming out soon. Stay tuned to all of the Quinnipiac Athletics social media channels. There'll be more updates about all of that. But we have news and updates. It is the week that was in Quinnipiac Athletics. We're going to start with breaking news here today. We are recording on Thursday, September 5th, and we just found out earlier this afternoon. This was an hour ago. That's right. This was an hour ago. That Cam Young has signed a professional contract to play with Palacanestro Cantu in Italy. So he is going overseas to play professional basketball. No real surprise there for Cam Young, who graduated last year, graduated in 2019. He was Quinnipiac's first AP All-American in the 2018-19 MAC Player of the Year. He becomes the second player in program history to play for that team. Just an incredible honor. Congratulations to Cam Young for getting that. But I mean, Matt, we were able to watch Cam Young all of last season, the last two seasons with Baker Dunleavy. He did some incredible things. So really, for both of us from this bird's eye view, this isn't much of a surprise. And one of those incredible feats that you talk about is dropping a 55-burger on his opponents. I mean, this kid was making national news. So for us who follow Quinnipiac basketball, this is no surprise because we've seen this kid's team, uh, team effort, his speed, and his talents from both sides of the court, defensively as well as shooting. 
And one of the things we can also attest to for Cam Young, we got a chance to talk to him that same week after he put up those 55 points. We were right at the end of media day. He had been talking to ESPN and talking to everybody else across the country. And we were his last stop to record the Quinnipiac Athletics podcast. And he was gracious. He was humble. He wasn't, you know, he, he was the consummate professional when it came to talking to us. So a huge congratulations from both of us here on the podcast to our former guest, Cam Young. Just more success coming from our podcast guests and we look for fantastic things coming from him this season. Now to women's volleyball, Dan. They took part in the Morgan State Invitational last weekend. After losses to William and Mary and Towson, coach Kyle Robinson picked up his first win as the Bobcats head coach as Quinnipiac beats Seton Hall three sets to zero. They continue their preseason this weekend as they head to New Jersey for the Knights Fall Classic playing NJIT, Fairleigh Dickinson, and Morgan State. Over to women's rugby, they began their season last Saturday at home against Harvard, a match they dropped by a 57-10 total. The rugby team is back in action this Saturday with a match at home against Penn State. The field hockey team, they were in California for the long weekend for three games. They dropped close games to Cal 5-1 and UC Davis 1-0 and 21-ranked Stanford 4-1. The Bobcats return home to Hamden to host Sacred Heart on Saturday before heading back out on the road on Monday when they visit Hofstra. Now to the pitch. The men's soccer team continued their preseason schedule with a 2-2 tie at UMass Lowell to begin the week. 2018 MAC Offensive Player of the Year Eamon Whalen scored his first goal of the season while senior Romain Danello also scored. The Bobcats play their home opener this afternoon. This episode's dropping on a Friday, so it's Friday afternoon against Sacred Heart at the Quinnipiac Soccer Field, and it's Youth Soccer Day at the stadium, so bring the family out to watch the Bobcats play. The Bobcats continue their home schedule on Monday with a game against Vermont. Women's soccer now. They begin their 2019 campaign 3-1. and They traveled to Maryland and took down Loyola on Sunday afternoon by a score of 3-1. to Olivia Scott led the way with a goal and two assists for the Bobcats. For her efforts in that game, Olivia Scott was named the MAC Rookie of the Week on Wednesday morning. That same night, they lost 3-0 on the road at Harvard. The Bobcats returned home and began a three-game homestand on Sunday when they take on the University of Harvard at 1 p.m. And our final teams on the rundown today, it is the cross-country teams. Both men's and women's cross-country teams ran in the Stony Brook Invitational last weekend to begin their seasons. The men's team finished third out of five teams, while the women finished second out of six. Freshman Shannon Goria was named the MAC Runner of the Week. She led the Bobcats at the Stony Brook Invitational with a fifth-place finish overall in the 4K race. She recorded a time of 15 minutes and 17 seconds in her first collegiate meet as a Bobcat. Both teams are back in action on Saturday as they travel to Bryant for the Sean Nassani Invitational. And Matt, that brings us to the interview portion of today's episode, and we have another three interviews for you on deck today. The first one, we're starting off with a bang. We talked to the 2018 MAC Offensive Player. Player of the Year for men's soccer, Eamon Whalen. Yeah, I mean, this kid's a talent, man. He always puts the ball in the net, and he he finds a way to quietly lead his squad. And by that, I mean lead by example, put balls in the net, work hard in practice, 110% every day, and the underclassmen will follow. And he is the prime example of a Quinnipiac men's soccer player. And luckily, he didn't shy away from the microphone today when we got a chance to talk to him. So let's hear from Eamon Whalen. 
let's talk now about this upcoming season 2019. First of all, a congratulations to you nominated for the Missouri Athletic Club's Herman Award, which Thank is given you. to the uh, top male and female players in all of college soccer. So, I mean, Alexi Lalas has won it. Mia Hamm won it for the uh, on the women's side. So, I mean, first of all, a huge congratulations yes, thank to you. Very you. Much. That is, it's an, it's incredible to be to to have the nomination to begin with. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I mean, first uh, for you personally, what did it mean to hear that you were nominated for this? Uh, I mean, I was honored for it. Yeah. Uh, going into preseason, it's. I don't get too caught up because it's just preseason. It doesn't really count for anything. Right. But the way I look at it, I look at it as a, an honor from last season yeah. award type thing that my success last year is the reason why I was nominated. So, I mean, I, it was awesome that I was able to achieve that and get nominated for that, have people vouch for you. But going into the season, I, I want to put it away. Yeah. Because I don't think a nomination isn't it type yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't want to put it down, but I don't want to let it overcome me or have an ego or anything like right, that of course but yeah i was i was honored to get it and uh it was a good day for both me and my family of so. course yeah but going into the season i don't want it to impact anything like that right just a just another day uh, exactly. another day on the yes exactly. so um so looking at the 2019 squad we talked a little bit about this before uh before we started recording but you know you you've been able to see the the new incoming freshman class so what have you seen from this group so far I think they're good. Uh, on the field, we've only had four or five practices, so it's still getting the learning curve, touches, they're on planes, stuff like that, a lot of foreigners coming in. But off the field, they assimilate very well, funny. Nobody's really nervous, which yeah. is a great thing to see because I remember my freshman year, I was, I was very scared. I was a little timid, <laughs> didn't really talk much. So just to see them with confidence is a great booster for – not only their other freshmen, but also us as seniors saying we want to we're on the same ship here trying yeah. to do the same thing. So, I mean, you know, what's the what's the message from from you and from your group of seniors to these freshmen coming in? Uh, work as hard as possible. Yeah. Uh, nothing comes easy. A uh, lot of kids fighting for spots. Uh, sometimes freshmen can sometimes say, oh, it's my freshman year. I won't play type thing. But I was fortunate enough my freshman year to have a big impact. So I don't think, I think we are trying to, again, assimilate everyone to say it doesn't matter. We don't think of people as seniors, juniors, freshmen, sophomores, more of we're all one team. Right. So it doesn't matter what your grade level is. It's how you can perform and help the team out. Easy as that yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You, can t- you can almost take the class away at a mm-hmm. certain point exactly, once, you're, yeah. once you're on the field. But um, so kind of more of a, a bigger sport-wide question uh, as we start to wrap this up. I mean, you've been playing soccer your entire life, so so you've seen a lot of levels of soccer and, and spent a lot of time on the field. So what kind of changes have you seen in the game from when you started playing until now? Ooh. At the pro level or in my experience? Uh, honestly, a- anything you've seen, because I know that y- you've probably witnessed a lot of professional soccer as well. No, yeah, played. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I would say... At the beginning, I remember growing up, the MLS was a league that nobody wanted to be a part of. And personally, I've been able to play alongside a now present MLS player in Rashawn Daly. Of course. So having that experience, I could say that I've seen how the sport has grown in the States. I couldn't say for European-wise, but I would say it's becoming a more global sport. And especially with the women's team now doing all they're doing their success it i mean 
you can't not root for him type thing. So right, right. For me, it's I guess in that aspect, that's where I've seen the most changes. Yeah. Actually, you know, uh, talk talk to me about that for a second. I mean, seeing Rashawn, how much success that he's had. Uh, did Did you see this coming? First of all, when you got to play with him. Uh, well, I've like like myself, Rashawn was also with Graciano and Eric. Okay. So I've known Rashawn since I was in eighth grade. <laughs> so, I mean, when I was in eighth grade, I I wouldn't. I would be lying if I told you I thought he was going to go to the MLS. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's a. It doesn't matter what I thought, right? Right. Now, yeah. Then, so, but yeah, he was honestly one of the hardest working kids. I couldn't have felt better for him when, when he had that goal too. He just scored. Yeah, it's yeah. like the kid works so hard all the time. I mean, he doesn't always get the credit he deserves, because there are a lot of times I would score last year and it would be a tap in and I get the headline. But he would do all the work. Right. So I think me and him as players worked great together. But I think that sometimes he was underrated more than overrated. Okay. So uh, FC Cincinnati, right, is where, is yep. where he is currently? Yep. Okay. So yeah. we'll keep them on the phone if they, if they need somebody <laughs> exactly. to work well with Rashad yeah. up front. Um, do, you, do you still keep in touch with him every now and yeah, then? Yeah. Uh, he actually – I was texting him. He congratulated me on the uh, nomination the other oh, day. Oh, yeah. So yeah. No, we're still, like, close. Awesome. So, well, yeah. There you go. No yeah. no better guy to try to, to, try I, to follow him. Honestly, now. yeah. Thanks so much to Eamon Whalen for joining us here on the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. And, folks, remember, if you want to catch the entire conversation with Eamon, you can find it on YouTube, on the Quinnipiac Athletics page on YouTube. So make sure you check that out if you want to hear the entire conversation that we had with Eamon a couple weeks ago. Our next interview on the show today, it is Val Perkins from the field hockey team. She joined us to talk about the 2019 season. Thank you for taking the time. I know it's a it's a busy time of year getting everything ready yes. uh, for the season. So I got to ask you first off. I mean the the season is just around the corner. How has the uh, the first few days and weeks of preseason gone for you? It's been really good so far. I mean everyone's getting a little sore now, but we're <laughs> all pushing through. We're excited for our scrimmage on Sunday. We're doing well. So what does uh what does an average preseason day look like for you? Uh, we start practice at eight. We go until about 11, then have lunch, get our nap in between. And then we're back out at the field at six. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're doing two a days every yes, day. My yeah. gosh. Uh, you know, are, are, is every practice different? Or are you working on different things every time? Uh, yeah, we're starting to put together more um, tactical situations now. We're working on our offensive and defensive corners. So we're um, starting to figure out who's going to be in each situation. And we also like to scrimmage a lot. So, oh, yeah, that yeah. keeps it fun. Yeah, no, nothing better than a little game, a little game action to get everybody yeah. involved. So now three years into the process, moving forward a couple of years, um, eight and 13 in three years in the Big East so far. So, you know, just having kind of had a, a bird's eye view to your team over the last three seasons, what kind of, of changes in growth have you seen in league play from from your team? Uh, we definitely have been focusing on our basic skills because our passing and receiving is what's going to get us through an entire game. If we talk a lot about if our basics fail, then we'll have nothing left at the end of the game. So we've been trying to sharpen up those skills and um, work on our specialty situations so we can create an output offensively. 
Um, so actually on, I believe it was episode number two or three of this podcast back in October of last year, um, I got a chance to sit down with Becca Main in her office and chat for probably half an hour just about everything under the sun, field hockey and otherwise. <laughs> but, you know, what, what's it like as a, from a player's perspective being able to play for her? I love playing for Becca. She just always has a great energy. She has a great sense of humor when we're playing. I mean, of course, we're serious at times, but um, she makes us laugh during practice and we're able to laugh at our mistakes and then work on them and fix them afterwards. Uh, the, the laughter is a powerful thing sometimes. Yes. If things don't go your way, just be able yep. to kind of relax and, yep. and reset. So looking at this year's team, the 2019 team, uh, two seniors and two grad students off the roster this year, but nine freshmen coming in for the 2019 season. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit before we started, but uh, I'd love if you could reiterate it just your early impression of the, the freshman class, how they've kind of acclimated to your team. Yeah, definitely. So... Um, the freshmen were definitely a little shy at first, which of course is normal. I mean, I was definitely shy at first, but now being at day three, we're starting to see their sense of humor. Even during media day, they're bringing out funny poses and taking funny pictures. So it's awesome to see um, more of their personalities coming through now. Yeah. Who, um, who, should I, who should we keep an eye out for as kind of the class clown? Oh man, uh, I think Not that's. To throw I think under that's. The bus, but. I think that's still up for debate. Okay. But um, I actually played with freshman Juliana Capello, so um, she brings out her sense of humor more around me. So I've seen it, but okay. still waiting for some of the other freshmen to come okay. into their skin. So we'll see. I mean, for the for those listening, um, th- this whole day where we're recording this episode is kind of the, the fall preview day. We're doing uh, video and, and gift content downstairs, podcast stuff upstairs. So we'll see some of the, the byproducts of those shoots downstairs yep. who's, who really has the uh, who has the uh, the upper the, the leg up, I guess, in that competition. <laughs> Thanks so much to Val Perkins for joining us on the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. And for this one, if you want to see the entire conversation that we had with Val earlier this year, you can catch the entire thing on IGTV. So make sure you go follow at QU Athletics on Instagram and you can see the entire conversation that we had with the wonderful Val Perkins on IGTV. And that brings us to our final interview of the day. This is a full conversation that we had and it ended up being a very long conversation but a lot of interesting information. We talked to both coaches of the men's and women's cross-country teams. That's Josh Glab from the men's and Carolyn Martin from the women's. And Matt, you and I both got a chance to talk to them yesterday. Now we're recording this on Thursday. Talk to them on Wednesday. And they were a wealth of information, not only about their teams, but about the sport of cross-country in general. I mean, they were phenomenal. They were fantastic because going into the interview, I knew that there was a lot to cross-country than just running. Right. But they really broke it down. And we also got to learn a little bit about them, too, uh, and how Carolyn has a Quinnipiac background. And then the men's coach, Josh, he, he has the Colorado background, which was so cool to learn about. I mean, I want the fans to enjoy this conversation because it, it was one of our best. Let's get to it. And we're back on the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. And today we are proud to be joined by not one but two coaches from the Quinnipiac cross country programs the head coach of the men's and women's programs joining us in the studio today Carolyn Martin from the women's team Josh Glab from the men's team guys how are we doing today 
I'm doing great. Great day. It is a beautiful day. <laughs> it's a beautiful day indeed. Thank you for joining us here. We're recording live in the WQAQ studios today because needed the extra extra space to be able to fit everybody. Matt McCall, what's going on? I'm doing well. Uh, it is a Wednesday morning. Yep. Um, where and we're recording this. Yep. And uh, again, it's another nice day. And as Coach Dave Clark says from the women's soccer team, any day's a good day when you're outside and six feet above the ground. So. <laughs> that's, how it, that's how it is. Well, no better note to start off this conversation, but uh, so <laughs> thanks, we, Dave. <laughs> so, uh, so we want to get a chance to to talk a little bit about both of you and your your stories about how you ended up at Quinnipiac because they're a little bit of uh, uh, they're a little different in terms of the journey. One kind of stayed with the Bobcat family. One joined on a little bit later. So, Carolyn, because you're closest to Matt and I, I kind of want to start with you first of all. Uh, when did running start to come into your life? When did you start to run? I started running in high school, um, basically freshman year, and I kind of just did it because I had an older brother that did, and I wanted to be like him. Did you did you play any other sports along with that? Uh, I had always played soccer, basketball. Um, I wasn't very good at either of them, <laughs> <laughs> so when I found running, it was it was a good choice. Okay, and uh, and what about running really kind of differentiated it from the other sports you played? Uh, I found I got good fast. Um, I, you know, it, it was it was fun winning. Uh, as soon as I started, I'd run a little bit in middle school and I was terrible. And then as soon as I got to high school, I don't know, something changed in me and I, I learned how to be a competitor. And once I learned that, it was it was kind of fun to race and win and beat people. I mean, there's there's nothing nothing more fun than success. So, I, you know, that's that's one thing that'll keep drawing you in. Would you say you learn that competitive edge from brothers and what watching them compete and from your family or parents I think my my family is all very competitive with each other I grew up in a competitive family um, but yeah having two brothers was definitely advantageous um, I was constantly trying to compete with them and do what they could do and having an older brother he could always do it better and honestly my younger brother is the most talented of all of us so he just was always right there with us so I think my younger brother learned to ride a bike before me so, but I learned about two minutes after he did. Yes, like, yes, hell no, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't have that that advantage sit there for too long. So, yeah. uh, Josh, same question for you. When did uh, when did running become a part of your life? Well, I mean, I grew up actually in Saudi Arabia, which most people don't know. Yeah, uh, and sports was just part of what you did. And if there was a sport going on, we were doing it. Um, and really, swimming is what got me into running. Uh, I was swimming a ton, and then the swim season ended, and. I started running home from school as kind of a way to stay fit. Like I was just super, super fit at, you know, this is the end of eighth grade. Like backpack everything, ran home. <laughs> Actually, or? my dad was the assistant principal at the school next that I went to. And yeah. so it was like zip over to his office, drop the backpack and see if I could beat the buses <laughs> home. Yeah, take <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where running started to become a thing. And then in ninth grade, I actually started running with this group of adults. And that's where... I just remember being sitting, I was just sitting in an eighth period class going, I can't wait to get out of here because we're going to go to practice and we're going to go run. And it was all these adults who just, they loved running and they just loved goofing around with each other. And so that personality I took on really fast. Um, and then fast forward, I moved to Colorado going into 10th grade. And it was the, the, the big decision was, do I play football or do I run? Um, you know, I mean, my giant size, obviously it was a hard decision. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Save, right. save my brain. Let's just run. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, my, my high school coach became one of my best friends. Um, he was a guy who held a world record in a half marathon for a little while. Um, but the nicest guy you've ever met, you'd never know he was that great of a runner if it wasn't for 
you'd say something and a story would come out about oh my gosh when i was in greece racing you know like those were the kinds of stories he told and that's i mean that's where really that passion really became part of my life so he he would just kind of casually drop oh yeah you know i I can totally relate to what you're doing in high school when i was in greece or somewhere else across the world just casually so saudi arabia now were you born in saudi arabia or did you move there early on no i was born in southern california okay and when i was about a year and a half old is when our family moved over there the truth is my parents went over thinking i have a twin sister thinking kate and josh will never know they'll be like four before we move back and we stayed for 14 years because it was just a really great place to grow up at the time. Wow. Nice. That is, that's absolutely incredible. So tell us what you remember about life in Saudi Arabia growing up. Well, I kind of describe it like living in a small town in the U.S. Okay. Where everybody is well-educated and everybody is well-traveled. Uh, and, the, and, and the cool thing was sports were so accessible. You lived in a smaller area. So, you know, I think of so many families where the mom and dad drive their kid to this and that to play a sport. We rode our bikes to everything to play a sport. So our parents got to play sports too. So that's, I think that's what really developed that love of whatever sport it is. Um, I'm usually excited about it. Nice. Just the, having the, the social aspect too, is just, uh, that, that's an incredible way to be able to grow up, especially for somebody that loves sports so much. So both of you, of course, running now in high school, like you mentioned, and then, uh, Carolyn going coming to Quinnipiac and then Josh going to Colorado State. When did when did Division One start to come into into the picture for you, and when did you decide that you know collegi- you wanted to continue your career collegiately? Um, I think pretty early on, I decided I wanted to run in college. I didn't know that Division One would be a choice for me early on, and it wasn't until probably my junior or senior year that. I was, I was from Rhode Island, really small state. Everybody thinks they're good, <laughs> you know, because you're winning everything because there's right. just not that many kids. Right. Um, so, you know, it was all state multiple years, was top of the state. So that's then I started to realize, okay, I'm going to go Division One, And that was kind of my goal was I'm going Division One. And I reached out to a lot of, a lot of schools and did my full, all my official visits. And then it kind of came down to money and what was going to be the most affordable and um, what schools really wanted me to come. I, I didn't, I have to say, I didn't look that much at the educational side of things, which was probably a mistake. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I landed in a great educational institution at Quinnipiac. Right. But um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I knew I wanted to run. And that was, that was my drive was like, I want to find a place where I can run and get an education. So when you reach out to these schools to try and go division one, do you have to pitch yourself and kind of sell yourself to these schools in like an email or a phone call? I don't remember the process all that well. It's, it's amazing to me. Um, A lot of coaches did reach out to me. Um, It was mostly phone calls. I, I remember a lot of phone calls. I don't remember doing a lot of emails. I went and visited schools and then met with coaches. Okay. Um, and so I did a lot of that. And, and a lot of coaches just were communicating with me uh, via phone calls. And I just can, you know, that's how I kind of stayed in the loop with what, what teams wanted me and, and where I should go. But I visit a lot of schools. Back then it was different. You know, you just, not that I'm that old, but <laughs> <laughs> you, we weren't, you know, it, there was no cell phones. You know, we weren't, we weren't texting coaches and email wasn't as big of a thing then. So you weren't really emailing. You were getting letters and you were getting phone calls. Yeah. And so the letters that you got at high school were those, okay, I'm 
these are the letters that I'm getting. These are the schools I should look at. And I feel like there, there's probably an added bonus to really needing to communicate either face-to-face or over the phone with the coach. You're probably getting a, a better idea of what you're getting into that way than just reading an email and kind of communicating that way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's just me, but I, you know, I don't know if you had the same thing. I am definitely an in-person and an over-the-phone coach. I like to reach out to everyone. Um, I I mean, I recognize that kids like to text and like to email now, but I try to do as much phone calls still and as much face-to-face as you can. It's the best way to do it. Uh, Josh, same question for you with Colorado. For me, it was a little different. Uh, Yeah, because of the air. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I mentioned my high school coach. He was the one who said, hey, you you can run at a high level, whether that's division one or division two. Um, and the truth is he said that because if you looked at what my times were, they weren't good enough at the time to get recruited by division one or division two school. Um, and he was the one who said, you know, Hey, what we're doing here in high school is preparing you. So you're ready in college. And so for me, it was me reaching out to any school I wanted to run at. Um, and the truth is Colorado State was one of the few better schools that actually responded to me and the coach was willing to meet with me. And my dad and I went up and visited and immediately both of us left Coach Hessel's office looking at each other going, so should we put in for housing here? Because I feel like this is the right place. <laughs> wow. it's um, a pretty powerful first meeting. It, it really was. It was one of those things where it just uh, – you you felt like God had a hand and this is where you're supposed to be. And for me, it was absolutely the right decision. Um, I, I did have to walk onto the team and had to earn my spot. And over you know a period of time, ended up making my way to being the top guy on the team. Um, but we had, and, and it was such a blessing, the group of guys we had were so, so incredible. We were all best friends. And the best part of the day was always going to practice. What did you, uh, what were you able to learn about kind of work ethic and and being able to take that next step through building yourself on that team? I mean, I think work ethic was already part of who I was going into college. Right. um, And it's why I was able to be successful when I got there. Uh, We had a group of guys that were always encouraging each other to do more and to work harder. And so, you know, earlier when we were in the studio here talking with you guys, talking about going home in the summer, at the end of the day, Going home in the summer and what you do then determines what happens in the fall. And so we had a group of guys that when we went home, it was almost somewhat competitive to be like, well, who's doing the most miles and who's doing the hardest training? And and you'd come back for preseason and that first week of school was looking at the guy next to you and going, so how did it go? <laughs> and and you really spoke through your legs you know, at that first week and people started to kind of figure out, oh, okay, this is going to be a good a good season because everybody did do the work. And do you feel like that happened this summer for both of your teams? Did you show up and went, okay, my kids showed out for the summer? I, I definitely feel like the guys came back and, and the majority of them had definitely done the work. Yeah. You know, that's what we were saying earlier. I, I, I'm really impressed with the guys that were freshmen last year. They're now sophomores. And just the way that they've grown and matured as runners has – really it's been fun to watch so let's i think now we can actually we can transition now to the 2019 season so uh both teams are coming off of their first meets the stony brook invitational uh the women's team came in second or uh women's team came in second and the men's team came in third in the 
in their respective meets. So uh, both of you, I guess I kind of want to get your thoughts, what you saw from your team this first weekend and what you think you can build on. Uh, so the first meet is really, you know, a, a test to see where people are at. And, and my take usually on the, on the Stony Brook um, invite, it's a short, shorter distance. So it's a great way for our freshmen and our underclassmen to get out there. I usually hold back our, our um, top kids and, or our returners um, that are upperclassmen just to kind of give the freshmen their own chance to get out there and lead and not have to feel like they're you know, I want I want them to be able to take charge and see what they're made of. So we did that this weekend. We ran ten of our women and um, some underclassmen and some some newbies, and it was great. The girls really they really ran as a pack. Um, they got out there. They were aggressive, and they ran with confidence. And that's exactly how we wanted to start off the season. So I was really impressed with how they did, and I'm excited with some of the new the new girls that we have on the team this year. So same question for you. Yeah. Well. You know, kind of, I think what people don't totally know about our sport is it really comes down to the last meet of the season for us, you know, the conference meet, and then we go on to regionals. But everything you're really doing is how do we prepare for that conference meet? And so, like Carolyn said, we treat Stony Brook a little different than some of our other meets in the sense that really you have it on the schedule so that you can come back for preseason. And then you for our the guys, we ran it kind of as a workout. Um, what will be much more exciting is to see what ha- is this week where the guys will fully race. They'll be on much more fresh legs and much more focused on, hey, we want to see a PR today or at least be close to that. So really going to Bryant this weekend is going to be a lot more exciting than what we saw at Stony Brook. <laughs> so uh, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit too now. Uh, moving back from the first meet, Of course, you mentioned both of your teams have been here since the middle of August, so it's already been almost a month somehow since uh, since you guys got back on campus. It feels like it flies by. But um, tell us a little bit about the the training process that you have for both of your teams. What does an average day, an average week look like in the life of a a Quinnipiac cross country runner? Um, So, I mean, it's it's actually pretty simple. It a lot of programs run very similar type programs. I mean, once a week they do a long run. Um, and so we typically will run trails on Sundays. So Sundays we're either going to Lake Wintergreen or, um, Lake Chamberlain and Woodbridge. We try to find places where we can, we can run trails and keep them on soft surfaces and get their long runs in. The women are running anywhere between usually 10 and 12 miles for their long run. Um, then, then usually, um, typically Mondays are our off day. Um, we do that because we have a lot of health science majors, so it sort of helps them, be able to load up on classes on a Monday and never have to really miss that. It, it helps with our student athletes. Um, and then Tuesdays are typically workout days, but it can fluctuate depending on the week, um, Tuesdays or Wednesdays often. And workout days, it depends on where we are in the season. You know, we, we did hills this week. You know, um, we're in kind of a strength phase right now of our training. Um, so it really just depends where we're at, whether we're doing tempos, whether we're doing intervals, whether we're doing hills. But typically once per week we're doing that uh, if we're racing that week. And then obviously racing on the weekend is, is basically another workout for them. Right. Um, the rest of the days are, are more recovery type running or we may have some days where we throw in like a steadier run where they're running a little harder but not taxing themselves so we want them to recover from workouts um so yeah it just it depends on where we are in the season though as far as like what type of workouts that we're doing i was gonna say yeah how, how do you kind of moderate that and change the workouts as you get later in the season and they may start to wear down a little bit yeah you have to watch the team you have to watch how they're all feeling um 
it's, it's not an exact science. <laughs> it's definitely, there's a lot of different ways um, to train athletes and some kids benefit more from high volume than others. Um, and some kids break at high volume. So it's really trying to figure out about your athletes and what's gonna be best for each athlete to have them compete the best that they can, you know, and it's a balance really trying to find like, all right, how do we get the most volume in to help these kids improve and get their fitness better without breaking them down? But coaching cross country isn't just, okay, go run. You kind of have to monitor their breathing and you have to make sure that you, there's strides that you have to watch. And then there's other techniques that goes with cross country. And a lot of it goes into, I mean, when you start to look at the training, it's a lot more specific than what people think it is. It's definitely not just go run. Um, <laughs> we laugh because it really, there's, it, it's complex. Right. Um, and to try to break it down in, you know, a little three minute segment is not going to happen. Right. Um, but I mean, to put it simply, you start off earlier in the season with higher volume and a little lower intensity. And as you move through the season, the intensity increases while the volume decreases. So that's, I mean, in a nutshell, that's most of what the season looks like is how do we start to move towards being more and more prepared to race faster and faster? You know, early in the season is really about working on your aerobic system and developing that better. Whereas later in the season, you're working, your aerobic system's going to stay there as you're doing faster intervals towards the end of the season. So that's, in a nutshell, kind of what's starting to change as you're going through that season. Right. I ask that because I feel like for the common man, they show up to a meet and they'd be like, oh, it's it's just running. Right. But yeah. they, they're this person's so, running, then that person's yeah, going to run. And then, then that yeah. person's running. But like, right. there is technique and there's so much skill in this sport that I could, ne- like, I could never. Right. Yeah. With our guys, what we talk about is on, you know, there's really two things that you're trying to change. You're trying to both physically adapt and you're po- trying to mentally adapt. You're trying to become a tougher person. Um, that's the, you know, the, the mental side has a lot to go. It's, it's being tougher. It's being emotionally stable during the race. It's also, you know, really about how can you use your head to control what your body's doing? Um, like for example, today we're going to do a workout. We're going to do mile repeats. So that's faster than, you know, if you we were say we went for a run yesterday that was 75 minutes. Okay. So the guys are getting in about 11 miles. This is the top group. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've got 11 miles that you're going to go run. Those guys are and running. And then they went to class at five, I bet, which <laughs> yeah, is they, so insane. Yeah, exactly. That's so insane. So, and, and in that run, they're running somewhere between 6.15 to, you know, 7.15 mile pace, right? Today, when we go run mile repeats, we're going to be running, we're going to start out at 5.08 pace and we're going to drop down to 4.55. You know, we'll do somewhere between five and seven repeats with a rest in between. Um, during that time, you're obviously running significantly harder than you did yesterday. Uh, and what you're really focusing on is how do I relax during that five minutes where, you know, the first minute's not too hard. The second minute starts to get harder. The third minute into that, it hurts. And how do you still relax and be efficient while you're running that hard? And that's a lot of what we're practicing every day. So Carolyn, percentage wise, what is it mental? Mm-hmm. What is it physical, percentage-wise? It's it's hard to say percentage-wise what it is. It's definitely more mental. If you have two people that are about the same physically, the kid who's mentally tougher is going to win every time. So like, every time. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah. So like 65, 35? You have, I mean, you, you have to, you have to be in shape. You have to be able to do the workouts. You have yeah. to be able to do everything. But at the end of the day, the team that wins versus the team that doesn't, when everyone's all training is the team that's toughest. So yeah. Josh is absolutely mm-hmm. right. Like we have to train their minds as well as their bodies and no one likes to be in pain. Right? So what we do is being in pain, like, and we're trying to force our bodies who can be in pain the longest and who can sustain the most amount of pain for the, the most, whole race. The whole race. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not an easy sport. No, I did not <laughs> for look, sure. Like I did not look at it that way. No, where you no. you technically are in pain for sixty percent of the race, maybe more. Because I mean, at this high of a level, it does look almost effortless in a sense right it, which is the most impressive part about hearing the okay everybody's in pain it just has to be how it, yeah the, the way moderating the pain it, the way sense. these students stride yeah and like it does kind of look easy to them so you're, so you're talking about kind of the not pain tolerance necessarily but just the ability to adapt and, and persevere and things like that so what are some of the things that both of you are looking for as coaches when you're talking to new runners and looking to continue to build your program it's really hard to pick out when recruiting and you're meeting with kids to pick out who the toughest kids are. You know, it, it definitely is, is helpful to be able to go watch them race because when you see them doing it, then you can see, oh, this kid, this, this kid's got it. You know, th- this kid is pushing, you know, and you can see what the kids have when you watch them race. So it's really helpful to do that. When you're meeting them in person, it's really tough to tell. You can have the nicest kid sitting in your office and think, wow, I don't know if this person's competitive. I don't know if they have what it takes. And then all of a sudden they turn on a switch and all of a sudden they're the most competitive kid you have and you can't believe it. Right. Uh, I've had some of the sweetest girls that you think could not have a competitive bone in their body and when the gun goes off they are competitors (laughs) so it's amazing to me and it is really it is one of the toughest things to figure out and and honestly the way to do it is really watching we we try to ask some questions ahead of time to figure out you know what the type of training they're doing in high school to see is this kid a diamond in the rough is this kid you know is this kid going to be able to develop when we get into a different training plan so you ask questions like that and you ask questions to try and figure out what their mental state is like and you know maybe talking to their coaches about whether or not they give up they tend to give up on themselves and and but it you know kids want to tell you what they think you want to hear so no kid's going to tell you oh i'm not that competitive or oh no i give up I a give lot up in race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah. you know it's it's one of the toughest things to figure out and the coaches that figure that out are going to be the most successful coaches around, but I don't know that anyone has really have got that figured out just yet in any sport because, right. again, it, 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 that's it's such an inexact science. Yeah, and yeah. it's the same in every sport, right? Yeah. Some of your least, least talented kids, even on the basketball court, you know, if they have the most heart and they have the most perseverance and, and they are mentally tougher, they're, they're going to be the better players. Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm the, I'm the kid who would talk to you guys in your office, but be like, yeah, no, nah, like, I just don't have it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if I have that, like, yeah. No. For me, it would be like, oh, are you passing me? Right this way. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> by all means. Really, I mean, it's, you, you want kids who are tough and have actually, in my mind, it's something that's developed. I, th- I think a lot of people will say you're, you're innately born with toughness, and I don't agree with that. Uh, I definitely think it's something that's developed through experience. And so I try to pull out questions where I'm asking, what have you been through that's been difficult, that's helped to grow toughness in you? Um, and and those are some of the questions that I start to ask. And like Carolyn said, you see it when they race is one place. Um, and you, you just see it in their demeanor a little bit. 
And really, even when they come onto campus, you know, our guys have developed a culture that that's what we value. And so throughout their freshman year, especially, we're spending time trying to go, how do you work to be a tougher person? Um, and how do you, both in your running and in life in general, you know, the person who's like, oh man, I just love air conditioning, for example. Typically, those guys aren't the guys that are as tough. You know, <laughs> it's it's what that ability to be uncomfortable and to be content in that place, that's a value that I'm looking for. So would you say you gain toughness yourself, like coaching in high school and then making that transition to a collegiate coaching job? I, I would definitely say I, I got to see it in high school. In high school, you got to see how athletes developed and you got to see them grow in their toughness. I mean, really, most ninth graders coming in aren't super tough. Um, you know, I was in Boulder at the time, so what did we do? We ran up Flagstaff Mountain, which is a mile and a half of stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, oh. and, and so when we stepped on the line against other teams, that was something we talked about. You know, um, even this year, we're going to Monmouth for our conference meet. Our guys are stoked that there's a huge hill in the course, and we're really stoked about it. You know, it's it's really fun when we talk. Two at the for you. Yeah, two for us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that I, I love is, you know, we talk at the beginning of the year, and we're talking about the season coming up, and and we start talking about the conference meet, and one of the guys goes, I hope it rains. Another goes, I hope it snows. Oh my goodness. You know, and, it's and, happened. And, yeah. and actually this year, this last year, you know, we had a great race at conference and it had rained a ton throughout the season. The joke was every Tuesday when we showed up for a workout, it was going to rain. And we got to the conference meet and we had all looked at the weather apps, you know, and we saw rain was coming and we got off the bus and it was just dumping. And to see the smiles on the faces of the guys, because they're like, this is who we are. We're, we're tough when it's nasty out. So that's stuff that we look forward to. And that's stuff that we work, we work to be better at. I mean, the conference meet is November 2nd in new England. Snow is in play. Yeah. November 2nd. That's yeah. an, that's an incredible trait. Well, it's in New Jersey. So, it maybe, is. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> it's iffy. Yeah. We've had snow actually yeah. at Monmouth. Uh, I think it was back in probably 2009 or 10. Yeah. It snowed. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty incredible. <laughs> and that's such an incredible trait just to not only be able to deal with with struggles around you, but to look forward to, okay, we're, we're going to have some adversity, but I'm ready to take this on head on. And I'd almost prefer it like that. That's such a, an incredible mental trait to be able to have during a, a long season. And it's really cool because I feel like the guys have helped to perpetuate that. Right. Um, you know, our. My, one of my favorite stories from last year was the first day it really, really rained. Um, we were out on the field, hockey field, doing doing loops. And um, and as we're getting ready, we're changing our shoes, getting ready to, in the spikes. And, and all the guys are kind of hiding on the benches where it's covered. And one of and Jeff Venter gets up and starts calling them out onto the field, like we're getting ready for a baseball game or something <laughs> like that. And, <laughs> and they all went from this, like, I can't believe it's raining to this is going to be so much fun and just crushed the workout. It was, it was such a great, great day and a, and a great transition in the minds of our guys. So uh, moving to the 2019 season, because we want to be able to give the fans a little bit of a, a window into your teams. Uh, tell us what you've seen from some of your, your freshman classes, the new runners joining the Bobcats this year. Uh, well, for us, uh, we've, we've got a pretty exciting group. 
So for the first time, we have an international student, um, Cassidy Phillips, who we're excited about, coming from Canada. Um, and we have Claire Vavrika, who is from New Hampshire, very big talent, and uh, Marissa Kaiser from Jersey. And uh, the three of them are, are a solid group of girls, uh, pretty talented. Um, it's also exciting because I have a couple of returners who um, technically are sophomore, sophomores, but were kind of like medical red shirts um, that will return to our team this year, Shannon Gorier and um, Emily Young. And both, both of them are tremendous athletes and should really add to that mix of like new runners that we didn't have last year that I think are going to really help our team. So it's a, it's it's a good group of you know it's five newbies basically which is great. That's that's huge, yeah. For for us, you know, I th- when we talk about our team, we talk about like development is what we try to emphasize, and so our goal is to be in a place where our freshmen aren't really ready to help us out yet. Um, we actually have one really cool surprise. Matt Renee uh, has had some incredible workouts, and um, he he's one guy that that might break that trend a little bit, kind of like Cameron started for us last year. Uh, Dylan Manning also came in with with Matt from they're both from Hendrickson up in Rhode Island and I think Dylan's going to be on the edge of whether he's going to be able to help us out this fall but he's going to be just really really tough to deal with for other other teams next year I'm I'm, I'm really excited about Dylan dude and the hair on these kids (laughs) dude (laughs) they are ready to roll That is awesome. Yeah, some of them actually, uh, Matt and uh, Dylan actually, they cut their hair actually this last week. I'm so sorry. I know. Oh my! Uh, um, How are you gonna do that for the roster? Photo? I know. Cut it. Oh my! Jack still has his, and so does uh, so does Max Densley. Um, they have some great hair right now. So there's a lot of odd bets going on on whether like how they race and what how much hair they need to keep or lose as a result of how they race. So. So my my last question for the upcoming season, um, it's you guys talked about it. You work towards that conference meet. How do you both take down the Goliath of Iona? Uh, it's a tough team. I will say, you know, um, on the men's side, if I if I can, Josh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Iona has been a tradition that's been unstoppable, and it's really difficult. Um, last year was their weakest year, though, so um, maybe the gap is closing for our conference, which is exciting. Um, on the women's side, they've never been quite as strong as the men. Uh, they do have a really strong team. They br- basically bring back everyone um, from last year. Uh, we took them down in 2015. We're coming back up there for them at some point, and uh, it's just about trying to race confidently and not be scared of them. And I feel like uh, that's that's the biggest thing is is not 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 being scared of racing your competition. And uh, last year, I think we ran a little scared um, on the women's side, and so this year, it's all it's all about confidence and and um, you know being fearless and just getting out there and racing what we can race. And I think that's how hopefully we can close that gap. Because for the men, they've won it 28 <laughs> years in a row. Yeah. That, that pressure's got to get to them at some point, though. Well, it, I mean, it's interesting. I, I really liked what Carolyn said about confidence. One of the really cool things for us this last year was seeing the confidence for Mike Kiernan and Tommy Consalvo, where they just decided we, we belong up in the front. And watching them race was one of the most fun things I've ever done in coaching just last year at the conference meet. Um, you know, they put themselves in the top 10 and and with every time they turn and you'd see them go by, you knew they felt like they belonged there. And that's all hopefully, you know, permeating through the rest of the team 
to start to believe they belong at the front of the conference meet. And that's when they can start to compete. I mean, it's going to, for a long time, it's going to be really difficult to compete with Iona. Their, their resources are just at a different level than everybody else in the conference. So We had Tommy on last year, and, and you could tell even at that point, he knew how good he was. He was yeah. coming off, I believe yeah. it was, a, it was a, I think it was Mac Runner of the either the week or the month uh, when when he joined us last year, and, and you could tell that he was he was uh, brimming with confidence. So finishing up, talking about the 2019 season for both of you as as head coaches of these programs, what are your goals? What are your expectations for the 2019 season for your teams? I, I mean, I want to have a better finish than last year. Um, you know, last year was a little bit of a down year for us. Um, you know, I I haven't finished worse than second in our conference uh, or third in our conference before prior to that so that was a tough uh, pill to swallow for me Uh, I want to be always in the hunt for trying to win a championship but this year uh, we definitely want to be in the top three and uh, be trying to take down one of those top two teams if possible you know um, I think my I I think as the season progresses we'll be able to see how we match up um, and we'll be able to see what windows are available. I think for both of our teams, when we go out to the Monmouth Invitational, a lot of times that's a pre-conference uh, meet where all of the teams in our conference, usually with the exception of Iona, are there. So we can get a good matchup and see where we're at as far as what other teams are doing. And um, and then we re- really can start to set goals of what we can do in the conference um, after that meet usually. For the guys, you know, we had a, a huge improvement between last, you know, going into this year, right? In 2018, we were fourth. The year before that, we were eighth. So huge, huge improvement. Um, and so our goal this year, obviously, is to improve, continue improving, um, to really build on what we did last year and continue to do something better, which, you know, better than fourth is putting us on the podium. So that's what we're shooting for this year is – to get on the podium to compete with the guys that were third and were second last year and to show that we belong up there and that, you know, that's where we hopefully can consistently be in the future. Should we ask them the questions? Yeah, always. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we ask all of our guests these same three questions because we know you can talk about your teams all day, but these are the thinkers, the more personal questions. <laughs> I think like I think words start words. to get around about these questions yeah. too. Yeah. Like we have some coaches on, like especially with hockey. Yeah. They were like, "Oh, we've heard about these questions." <laughs> so if you've heard about them, let us know. Not yet. <laughs> so, uh, Carolyn, I'll start with the first one with you. If you could live anywhere in the world that is not Hamden, Connecticut, where would it be and why? Um, I've always wanted to go to New Zealand um, or Australia. Those are like my top two places to travel to at some point. Um, I'm, I love nature. I love hiking. Um, I love skiing. I love doing all that kind of stuff. And I, I haven't gotten to do a lot of it um, as much as I'd love to at this point in my life because I have three small children. And so it does, it does hold you back slightly. But um, no, I'd love, to, I mean, I'd love to live somewhere in like New Zealand or somewhere like that just to not not forever. I wouldn't want to be away from my family for, you know, my extended family for that long. But just if, if I could live somewhere for a short period of time, I think that'd be a really cool place to be. There you go. Are your kids showing any any traits like they could be future runners? Um, my oldest is nine. Uh, she's built a lot like my husband and he was also a runner. Um, she 
she's going to be an athlete no matter what. She loved Trish, um, Trish's basketball camp this summer. Yep. Ah, nice. Hard, hard nachos. So oh, yeah. she oh, yeah. is, she oh, yeah. is all about basketball right now. Hashtag and she's, pounds. <laughs> yep. Which is fine with me. I want them to just find a sport that they love and do it. Um, but she's also big into Ninja Warrior. Uh, that's, that's big around Hamden because Drew Dreschel owns that gym down the street. Right. So, uh, she's been doing that for like two years and she's pretty strong. So who knows what she'll do. Yeah. Um, hopefully that will give her some, some, uh, ability to do whatever sport she wants to do it's good for balance agility stuff like that yeah. the younger ones are kind of little my six-year-old he likes the ninja warrior stuff too but and then i have the three-year-old's crazy she just does whatever the other two do so. of course yeah, <laughs> yeah. just so. trying to follow in the footsteps yeah. at this point yeah yeah all right josh you're on the spot same question for you Ooh, that's a hard question no oh, yeah uh, yeah uh some days i go you know somewhere on the beach always sounds nice especially you know like west coast beach but this summer i was biking in the pyrenees in france and we stayed in this little town called Luchon, and it was just gorgeous. Um, I still need to learn to speak French if I'm ever going to live there. <laughs> right. Uh, but Doesn't it was, hurt. you know, beautiful mountains like Colorado, but combined with the greenness of, like, Connecticut. It, and just a very simple, chill life felt like they just did a lot of things right there. So maybe Luchon, France is, is the highest on the list right now. Wow. Huh. It sounds like a beautiful spot. Okay, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you so this time that Carolyn has a chance to think. Um, <laughs> if you could have dinner with someone either alive or deceased, could be anybody, who would it be and why? Oh, that's Nikola Tesla. Wow. So, okay. That was right. fast. That <laughs> so was know, fast. So I know uh, I'm pretty sure you, so you have a background in science. Correct. I used well to be a science the, teacher, yeah. Right. So um, I just think, you know, partially because there's so many things that he, at least we think he did, that nobody really has information on. Um, I would just like to know about those things. So just the inventions that he came up with are just above and beyond and just seemed like an interesting, interesting guy. So, oh, he's Serbian. Yeah, I would like to know how to communicate with him, too. I don't know. I don't know how his English is. So, but uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'll go with that. I like that. That's a, that's a good pick. I mean, just to just to pick his brain, just to ask exactly. It, did you do this? How did you do this? Yeah. You know, it's a, he and maybe else. we could still save the world, like if he was still here. That's <laughs> right, right, he right. is best known for his contributions to the design of the modern alternating current electricity supply system. Yeah. So the whole like fact that we have generators, you know, power, and plants and power plants that aren't like yeah. right at your door. That's because of alternating current. And okay. so that's, you know, kind of a big deal. So, yeah. And yeah. I always wanted to be an inventor when I was growing up as a kid. So that, oh, was, wow. that okay. was like the, you know, the question of what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to invent stuff. Yeah. So so Nikola Tesla would be, yeah. I, think, I think, one of, a good guy to have dinner with. Do you have any uh, any invention ideas that we could we could try to get moving on this podcast? You know, I feel behind? I feel like you know if I do that, then someone's going to steal it. Fair so. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Can't blame me. Magician yeah. doesn't share secrets. All right. Uh, same question for you. Uh, that's a really difficult question. Um, I think when you said deceased, that got to me. I, I think it'd be awesome to go back in time and be able to sit down with like my grandfather who passed away when I was younger um, and just uh, pick his brain about some things. He raised 11 children and uh, was a pretty amazing man. And uh, I think it'd be kind of cool to, I feel like I didn't get to know him enough as a kid. Um, and I would love to be able to pick his brain as an adult. Um, but I mean, it, to be the cliche one, I love Harrison Ford. Wow. Love Indiana Jones. Yep. <laughs> Ford. Love um, Han Solo. So, I mean, I would love to sit down with him <laughs> at some point, too. 
So can't go wrong with either. <laughs> uh, oh, he's yeah. seventy-seven now. Is he really? Good for wow. him, dude. <laughs> so uh, the last one. Uh, if you're on death row in this hypothetical, what is your final meal? Your dinner, your drink, and your dessert. This could be something from home, something around here. You going? <laughs> <laughs> you guys know. can take a second to think if you need. Dude, mine changes. I feel every week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. That's not, yeah. yeah. You know, like right now I'm thinking a really nice steak sounds nice. Right. right, but I used to be like bar food. I'd be like, I love steak fries, <laughs> and I love like wings. Yeah. So like, I wanted to do that for a little bit, but then I was like a parmesan crusted. Like filet sounds bomb. Yeah, or like I want that with like a pizza next to it. That's, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, ice cream is how it has to finish. Okay, you know. Okay. Although I've had, you know, you have that great dessert, like, but ice cream's next to it, so right. You can uh, put like the the uh, the cookie skillet, and you could put ice cream on top of that. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call a cookie skillet like that high on my dessert list. Um, yeah, I feel like you could have a fancier, nicer dessert. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Like a good creme brulee, and then that's some ice cream. Creme brulee. There we go, right? That's what I was saying. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know, something like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, for me, I, I don't know. I <laughs> probably some kind of seafood dish. I like uh, I like shrimp. I like scallops. I like all kinds of stuff like that. So some kind of seafood dish would be good. Actually, my husband's a really good cook, so I am spoiled. Ooh, okay. Um, he makes a lot of good dishes, and sometimes I'm like, "Ooh, this is restaurant quality." And <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, he he spoils me. He, I'm the healthy cook, and he's the tasty cook. So, <laughs> yeah. there you go. So, but I would definitely finish it off with some kind of creme brulee with like fresh berries and stuff on top of it. That's like my favorite dessert, probably. There you go. I, I we used to my family used to go to this place in Maine and they had a, a kind of a seafood medley so you'd get a little bit of fish some shrimp and some scallops with it so maybe Ooh, if nice. if your if your husband's not not, <laughs> not making that then maybe I can get one of those shipped out from Maine but uh, so thank you both of you so much for for joining us today it's been a pleasure and uh, best of luck moving into the 2019 season good luck guys thanks thank so you, much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode, but in the meantime, make sure you follow all of the social media accounts at QU Athletics. You can get updates about the podcast. You can get updates about every single team that you may need, so make sure you go follow those accounts. Head online to QuinnipiacPodcast.com. Get your stats, scores, rosters, merch, anything you may need, and you can find us, the tab for the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast, at the bottom of the page. You'll see it. It's in big letters. You cannot miss it. That's all on QuinnipiacBobcats.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Matt McCall, if we got to get back to the tradition, if you want to follow you, the co-host of this fine podcast, how can we? Yeah, at M. McCall of 7, and I have to give a shout-out, actually, uh, to end this episode as well. Uh, shout-out to Jeremy Schilling. Uh, he complimented uh, the interview I did with Billy Mecca. Uh, he enjoyed it. Uh, thought it was one of... <laughs> the best interviews he's heard with them so we appreciate the kind words i hope that he stays subscribing and stays a fan of this pod well thank you jeremy for listening in for complimenting us and if you want to follow me it's at dan ball b-a-h-l thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week bye-bye theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click. Mm-hmm.